Swift, who, according to 4480p, coming off the boards at 606 at RB27, and Cam Akers coming off the boards at RB29 at 610. Uh, before we jump into it, please make sure you guys subscribe, like, do all that stuff for us. We, we really appreciate all the support and feedback we've been getting recently, and uh, you know we, we want to keep these coming to you guys. We're going to jump in and jump out of these quick for your content pleasure. Kev, go ahead and jump off. You're going to be taking the DeAndre Swift side of things. So why are you taking Swift over Akers? Well, one, I, I think he has a, maybe a little bit clearer path to touches. And people say, wait, what? Like, like Carryon Johnson's still there. And I think people are all overvaluing Carryon Johnson. Um, I think DeAndre Swift is going to be the lead back in this backfield. He is definitely the better back of the two. Uh, DeAndre Swift is 5'8". You know, 212 had an 83 percentile speed score, 4.4840, 4. 120.9 uh, percentile burst score, 21.1 uh, percent college dominator, uh, average 4.73 yards created, 700 yards after contact, 37.5 percent breakaway runs, 1.14 yards per route run, and he also created five plus yards on 30 percent of 34 percent of his carries. So. I mean, just looking at DeAndre Swift, like DeAndre Swift is again heading into this offseason, like at the start of this of this process where we started looking at rookies, like DeAndre Swift was kind of the one on one for a lot of people. It was either him or Jonathan Taylor. And then he just kind of like was just there for most people. We've kind of talked about this already with DeAndre Swift. I don't get it. I don't know why. Um, the dude is a super like is, is a terrific athlete. Um, is a is certainly a three to three down back somebody who's capable of doing it, has the size has the speed to be able to be, uh, be a terrific he might be the best pass catcher in this in this class we talk a lot about Clyde Edwards Hilaire and what he was able to do but I think on what he can do in the open field I think that that's DeAndre Swift I think you can make a case he's one of the best especially in the top five in terms of just pass catching ability and so that's another thing that I love about him carry on Johnson has missed 18 of his last 32 games uh, Ty Johnson also saw 31 targets last year um, on only playing 28% of the snaps in Detroit last season. I think though, I think that DeAndre Swift at the very bare minimum starts a season as the pass catching back. We've seen guys like Theo Riddick in this backfield to really be able to produce. Like Theo Riddick had season where he had 85, 90 uh, targets. And 2019, 2019 saw the Lions running backs targeted 101 times. That was the lowest since 2013 while Stafford was under center. Now, obviously, we know that Stafford was only center from weeks one through eight. He targeted his running backs on 45 attempts or at almost a 19% target share. The year prior, running backs were targeted 141 times on 555 attempts, which was 25%, which is super 
super high. That that is top five in the league in terms of um, passing targets to to his running backs. And Swift's skill set sets him up perfectly to take advantage. Um, I think that you can look probably for I think at the bare minimum to start the season. I think he probably starts and get at least gets forty five to fifty percent of the touches in the backfield. I think by season's end he is the workhorse in this backfield. All three downs, uh, you cannot count on Carryon Johnson to be the lead back in this backfield. He has just never been able to stay healthy. I think he has opportunities. I think he gets touches, but I think it's De- this is DeAndre Swift's backfield. He was selected at the top of the second round, pick thirty-five. You know, almost a first-round pick. So I absolutely love him. I mean, during his college career at Georgia, Swift averaged 6.6 yards per catch on 73 receptions. There's just not much to not like here about DeAndre Swift. Going in the sixth round is absolutely ridiculous. I have him ranked at RB18. I think in PPR formats i think that he is somebody that could go even higher than that i think if, if we knew he was getting this backfield to himself that i would have him as a borderline rb1 i think he's that good with lions have been waiting for a workhorse back they've taken carry on johnson what they've had javid best and um amir abdullah and you know they've had a lot of guys come through this backfield uh, theo riddick was the pass catching back but they, this is the kind of the guy they've been looking for and i think deandre swift really i think we look back at this and realize that we were all a little bit too low on DeAndre Swift heading into this process because he's just kind of been the guy. Now, why would I take him over Cam Akers? Now, Cam Akers, obviously, I don't think they are too far apart in terms of where I would take them. I would be happy to get either one of these guys um, at their current ADP. Sixth round is a little bit too low. I mean, if we look back last year, guys like David Montgomery were going in the third and fourth round, which is fucking ridiculous compared to these two guys. But like I said, if I was, if I had had to take one. I, I want DeAndre Swift. I get why Cam Akers, um, well, you may like him a little bit more, but for me, I just think he is the total package. I am much less worried about what on Johnson, and they have nothing else. This offense is an offense that I that I think is a little bit more concentrated in target as well. We, we know they have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, This is, uh, and then they also have TJ Hawkinson, which is a second-year tight end, and that's kind of it. After that, it's like Danny Amendola and stuff like that. So I love DeAndre Swift. I think that he is being under, undervalued. I actually have him as the second rookie off the board for me in my rankings. I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the top 10, and then it's DeAndre Swift for me, and then you got to get to Jonathan Taylor. So that, that's where I'm at on him. So the, the big knock with Cam Akers right now is this whole committee thing that we keep hearing about Sean McVay and, and this coach speak. So let, let's let's – smash that and get that over with get all the fucking way up out of here if you think that this is just going to be a committee well mcveigh has said on a couple of different occasions that you know it's it's going to be a, a three-headed work workhorse or a three-headed committee and he really liked what san francisco did and but stop it stop it all we heard all season last year leading up to the season was hey they're they're really going to be monitoring uh todd Gurley's uh touches and his role in this offense they are going to be cutting back on his snaps you know they they went out and they I think they traded up in the third round to get uh Darrell Henderson they took him in 2019 and what ended up happening Gurley was basically Gurley in terms of his touches and his involvement in the in the offense he ended up having I think it was the the fourth highest snaps among running backs he ended up getting like almost 70% of the running back opportunity in in Los Angeles and that was so that only left like 30 or 31% between John Kelly, Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown. So it was oh well we're going to we're going to split this workload and then 
Gurley ended up getting 70% of the, the fucking opportunity anyway. You are Sean McVay and you look at that roster. What what we need to do a better job of in as If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As fantasy analysts and, you know, just fans of the game is look at what teams are doing and not what they're saying. Sean McVay truly thought that he could run a a committee, and a, an effective committee with Henderson and Brown, you don't go and end up spending your it, your first pick of the draft. The, the The Rams didn't pick until fifty second overall, and then they took another running back. Like I, I don't I don't care what he's saying right now. Watch what they have done. It like if they actually thought Henderson was the guy, he would have gotten more opportunity last year, especially toward the end of the year when it looked like they the the Rams weren't going to be making the playoffs anyway. So we 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 have to get that out of the way first and foremost if you don't want to please keep letting acres fall to rb29 and i will happily snatch him up there so with that out of the way the the next big thing with with acres is you look at that offensive line and how garbage that was last year for the rams i don't care that cam makers ran behind a, a terrible offensive line at florida state which he did that's not even going to necessarily factor into my analysis of the situation here. He's he he had the so he like that that the entire situation at Florida State was awful from beginning to end for him. He had several different coaches. He ran through several different schemes. So he's used to all this other shit going on around him and producing in in situations that are frankly just that, that are not the not the best situations for him to be. Uh, having this production and he had two 1000 yard seasons at Florida state uh, his true, his freshman year. And then last year, if you look at what he did from a, from like a, a more advanced stats standpoint, uh, tie for seventh and forced missed tackles. He was 12th in yards after contact. So the dude's going to be able to produce in, in not the greatest situations, the situations that are not, uh, you know, not looking the brightest for him. But if you look at, uh, the Rams offensive line last year. So, so they, they were super inexperienced and they, that was a pretty young group, especially in terms of playing together. They dealt with a bunch of injuries. If you look at, if you go and look at most NFL offensive lines and their, like their snaps and the guys who are leading in snaps, you're going to have a handful of guys who are leading with 70, 80, 90% of the uh, snaps if you look at the Rams, they only had two offensive linemen who played more than 70, 70% of the snaps last year. The offensive lineman with the second most snaps was someone that they claimed off of waivers. Their third offensive lineman was some was a fifth-round rookie who played quarterback in high school, switched to tight end in his first year at Wisconsin, and then ended up making the, the switch to offensive line after that. So you're talking about a, a guy who's inexperienced at the position. He, I think he had like 60% of their snaps. And if you compare that to a situation like, uh, like somewhere like Houston, for instance, where they, there's not a lot of highly sought-after individual talent outside of Laramie Tunsil, 
but they had four offensive linemen who played 86% or higher the snaps together. So that, that just goes to, to show that, that like the continuity is super important in a situation like that. Their, their line should be back and healthy. We're expecting the, 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 the Rams to run more 12 personnel, more two tight end sets. We'll just, that'll help out because I can't imagine they're going to flank both of those guys or they're going to have at least one of those guys attached. So I think the, the offensive line situation is kind of being a little overblown. If they can come back and be healthy, I think that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a big spike to, to the production for, for the running back position for the Rams. And is as bad as Gurley's season was perceived last year, he still finishes an RB one. I think he was RB twelve last year, and the the place that really hurt him and something I think Acres is really good at is the pass catching. Gurley only had like forty some targets last year, and the two years prior he had eighty in back to back seasons. So if if he can slide into that Gurley role from twenty eighteen in terms of getting more targets. I could, I could see a, a, a I could see a path to Cam Akers finishing as an RB one this season as long as he's able to take that role and run with it from the get go. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I don't think this is a situation where it's going to take Akers until you know week five or six in order to take over this backfield. I think this happens by week one or two. To be completely honest, I don't think Henderson is anyone we have to worry about because Henderson is a if you watched his tape at Memphis, he's someone who needed those wide open holes in order for him to to really get going and to really produce. He's not going to necessarily have that with with Los Angeles, even when their uh, offensive line does improve like I, like I'm expecting from last year. I think this is a case where Aker is just going to come in and completely snatch that role away. And uh, he's someone who I'm just really high on this year. Yeah, I mean, like like, like we said, I mean, I think we I think we both kind of agree upon both these guys. If you can get both these guys later around, I would like I said, I I prefer DeAndre Swift because of his pass catching upside, and I know that that I can bank on that as as bankable targets that he's going to get no matter what. I don't think DeAndre, and I think at the very least, we're talking a couple of weeks, and he's going to end up being the the future back in this offense. Yeah, I think I think it could happen starting week one. He's that good, so that's kind of why I prefer DeAndre Swift. But like I said, you can get either one of these guys in the sixth round is absolutely ridiculous. They could end up rising as, as we start hearing more and more about the stuff. Maybe they end up going in the fourth or fifth round. I still would have no problem with that, especially where how far running backs are being pushed up in drafts. Like these two are some of the biggest steals in, in drafts right now. But like I said, I I fall on on the DeAndre Swift side of it just because of everything that, that I that I laid out there. So I would be perfectly happy with getting into one of these guys, but I am definitely taking DeAndre Swift. And I know everybody else will agree with me that DeAndre Swift is the pick um, and, and the side to go on. So um, other than that, all I want to say is I really appreciate everybody checking out the show. Uh, keep hitting that like and subscribe button. Every time you hit that like button, it tells YouTube that, that uh, you know, to show our content. So I really appreciate it. It helps us grow. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, we're trying to do this stuff for you guys. Try to help you guys win championships because that's what we're here for. I keep saying it, but I mean it. Hashtag TFA for the chip because that's what we're doing. That's what we're here for. And if we're not, uh, you let me know. and I'll come up with something for you. If you don't win a championship, off off what we talk about you know i got you i got your back because that's what we do here we win championships we don't do no flimsy bullshit takes like everyone else does you know so i'm, I'm deandre swift pound that deandre swift draft button and let's win some championships let's go